You found us through fly fishing. You'll stay for our passion and the community. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Podcast. Yeah, but he doesn't get it. How come fly fishermen don't get it? You only haul with the short power snap. Look for where people walk and the insides of bends and hunt those. The roof blew off and the interior walls got sucked out and the trees are just coming up. And I mean, he's clearly not going to clear the trees. It is not a fly fishing story. It's a story about me trying to understand my brother through fly fishing. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. We've been waiting for you. Follow our guests, follow us on Instagram, and share this episode and the love if you enjoy this podcast. And we are live in three, two, one. How you doing, Chad? Doing great, man. Good to be with you, Dave. Yeah, yeah. Great to have you on here. I feel like uh, I feel like the first time we talked, it felt like we've we've uh, we've done this before. Like we're kind of friends that it's been a while. You know, I think it's part of the. It's probably part of the southern, you know, kind of uh, whatever you call that hospitality, right? I have a friend. Shout out to Will. He's down to your. He's down to your neck of the woods, and he has the same exact accent as you, and he's just got that really great personality. What What is it? Tell me that. What is it about where, that part of the world that makes it so amazing? Oh wow! You know, I think it's pretty actually pretty simple. I think that um, I think that we really look to our neighbors and to our friends for help and support and so we end up treating each other like family because we do count on each other as odd as that sounds i think that has a lot to do with it we really seem to depend on each other and and that seems to bring you closer when you care about um what's going on with your neighbor you know and so i i really think that that's a big part of it and it's really nice to see it work over into every aspect. You know, when you when you come fish with CJ's White River Outfitters, it doesn't matter which guide you get, whether it's me, whether it's one of my guys, we all work as a team, you know. So if somebody's doing something on the river for the day and somebody else can't figure it out, it's a text away, you know. So when you hire us, you hire a team. Right. So it really bleeds over into everything. And I've I've been in certain areas that the guides are very cutthroat. You know, why would I tell you my secret? I'm getting them. You're not. I'm winning. And we just really don't have that mentality. And I think that stems from that same aspect of, you know, if you're not going to win every day, but maybe your buddy is and he'll help you. And that's just, that falls right back into that Southern hospitality, right? Like we can win as a team instead of you winning on your own. Right. You know, and I just think that has a lot, you know, that it's, it's, it's really nice. It's nice to work under, it's nice to work in that frame of mind, you know? And so, yeah, I think that's a big part of it. I think we just lean on each other quite a bit. Yeah. I love that. Love that. This is great. So, 
So yeah, so today we are going to talk White River, which, you know, there's a lot of things that names that come up a lot. The White River comes up a lot around the country. I think it's well known. Um, Your name has come up a lot. Um, I'm not sure where I first heard it, but um, you've got some connections there. And the the streamer game, maybe that's where it started for me hearing about you. But you've got that. You've got these big brown trout and all this. So we're going to get into all this today. CJ's, um, like you said, the, um, the guide shop you have there. But let's take it back real quick on fly fishing. First, tell us, let's hear how you got into it and how you brought this into this, uh, this great guide uh, service business you have going. Man, you know, I, I say all the time, I tell my customers that I, you know, very, very blessed that I landed where I landed when I landed here. The White River produces some of the largest brown trout in the world. And there was really not a lot of fly fishermen fishing for those, except for during the spawn, you know, back in the day, they would hit that spawn and different things. But really targeting the brown trout wasn't going on with our fly fishermen, except for during that that season. And um, so I think what happened was me and a couple of guys come in at the right time and started doing some different things you know we didn't invent anything we just kind of brought like that western streamer game into play with some modifications you know we started hopper fishing and girdle bug fishing and and dry fly fishing and all of a sudden we started catching these bigger browns and that's really that's where the clout came in that's where the the media come in that you know obviously as soon as you start posting up those big browns people start paying (laughs) attention you know yeah (laughs) and um so when i got here there was really more of a lot of long line nymphing going on you know and um good fishing you'd catch some browns on your san juan worm and that type thing but but just to be able to go out and kind of target that fish for the day is what, what wasn't happening. And um, no way would I take all of that on me. I didn't do all of that. But between me and a group of guys that come in about that time, we've just kind of started figuring things out. We started trying things different. And it, it worked. And so when it started working, it snowballed on us you know, which is where, like, you know, I I just got back from out west. I couldn't go in anywhere that people didn't already know who I was. It was very strange. Oh, wow. And and that is, that's the White River, right? That's the the White River over the last 10 years has gotten, it's been insane. Yeah. How does that feel, Chad? Because that's pretty amazing. Like, I mean, you go in some place, I mean, you're famous. Like, how does that feel when you, when you go to Montana or wherever and people know you? Weird. Yeah. <laughs> Very weird. You know, I had a couple of different instances of just eating dinner with my family and somebody turns around and goes, oh my God, I, I know that voice. Oh, wow. You tie the sluggo, don't you? And I was going, <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's me and it's right it's just really it's it's really odd to know that that in the fly fishing world that little old arkansas is um that well established now because it you, you know you think back 10 years ago 15 years ago 
if you told somebody they were going to go down to Arkansas and catch world record or trophy brown trout, they would have laughed you off the trout table. It just wasn't even a thing, Mr. Dave. Like it, it just, it wasn't even a thing. And so to have that come full circle and be able to build a business and work these young guides and, and have the business come into the area because of what we've done, the work we put in in the past, it's it's really neat to see that all come full circle. And, and it's really nice in the fly fishing community that, like, people are really good about letting you know how well you're doing. Right. Right? Like, that's nice. It's, it's nice to have that pat on the back every once in a while, right? It's nice to give that pat on the back every once in a while. And so... Like for kind of what's happened with us and Dally's fly shop and us over the last 10 years has been like a roller coaster ride. You know, at times you're, Hey, we've got to build, we've got to build, we've got to build. And then you start going, Oh God, how can we keep up? You know? And it's just, it's really neat to see how it's, uh, it's come full circle. I, I'm I'm much more excited about what it's done for the White River than what it's done for me personally. I mean, it's obviously for me personally, it's been a blast. But to see what it's done for the area, to see Cotter come back around. I know you guys don't know Cotter. Cotter was your typical rundown fishing town. Okay. Okay. And Cotter is on a peninsula that goes out into the river. The river bends all the way around Cotter and um, just really a rundown fishing town. And now all the little houses are being rebuilt. VRBOs coming in, restaurants coming into town. And all of that stemmed from the fly fishing and the fishing on the White River. And so it affects much more than me and my business it affects the community and to see the community grow off of things that you've done or things that you and your partners have done over the last few years. It's, um, it's humbling. That's really cool. I love that. And, and so the white river, like you said, I mean, that is the, the famous river that's out there and it's famous because it's got these big Browns and I want to get into that, you know, like as far as fly fishing, you know, targeting the Browns, right? <laughs> How do you target the Browns? Stuff like that. But talk about, talk about, let, let's do the seasons. I want to, cause I love going through the seasons of, you know, where, how you fish down there. So let's, let's start it out, you know, on that. Like right now we're kind of in, you know, September, October or in this period, what's going on right now on the right, the white river. How are you guys fishing it? Okay, so right now, we have a very different fall than most of you guys. You guys get, I say you guys, most trout fisheries, they get a really nice either fall run or or a fall pre-spawn bite. It's very strange. I don't know. I can't put my finger on it exactly, but we don't get a big fall bite before our browns go on the spawn. We get a big brown bite as soon as they come off of the spawn. And so right now is a, hey, let me, let me, let me start this way. Let's start at the beginning of the year. So at the beginning of the year in, let's call it, February, January, February, that's going to start the streamer season. 
we'll come full circle back to that. That is right when those big brown trout come off of the spawn. We tend to get our spawn in November, December, sometimes even December, January. So like it's not actually a fall run for us. Our fish spawn more towards the middle of the winter. And so as soon as those fish come off the spawn is when we begin to target those big boys with our big streamers. And then, and we'll come back and talk to that. And then, then we're going to get into our spring. That big streamer bite ends about the second week of March. Okay. That can also be when we start seeing a little lower water, which is good because that's coming into our caddis hatch. So we get a phenomenal, prolific caddis hatch, arachophilia, all the way through April into like the first week or two of May. And that is, you know, nymphing mornings, dry fly afternoons, browns, 18 to, I'd say, 22 inches or so on that, on that. But numerous brown trout like it's it's really good uh, it our browns really get up and feed on our caddis hatch and then we're going to go into last week of may i mean the, that middle week of may can be kind of one bug or another but then by the end of may we're going to start a prolific sulfur hatch and the browns really get up on those and here again, my brown trout average, and all of this has rainbows mixed in, but my brown trout average is going to be about that 18 to 22. You know, we're going to, you'll get a, uh, you get a two footer every once in a blue moon on those dries. And then we're going to start our summer, which is going to be girdle bugs and hoppers and that type thing from July, August and september that can be fish from 19 to 26 inches or so i can get up a little bigger on the girdle bug hopper game and then that's going to end about the end of september and then october november are really a time of the year when we're getting our fall our beautiful weather that's when i bring in families it's when I bring in guys that just want to go catch fish and have fun. I'm catching them on little beetles and to a dropper and just catching nice rainbows from 12 inches to 16 inches and, you know, throwing in a brown or two a day that comes up and eats a beetle. And then they basically take December off. December off. And and what is, so the variation in size of fish, why is that during those seasons you mentioned? Sometimes that they're, you know, 18 to 22 still has a, a giant brown trout, but, but why, is there a time when you have a chance to get those giant, is that mainly because it's better to fish streamers and you can get bigger fish then or what? I, I think it's about food, about the food and the size of the food and the prolificness of the food. You know, when, you know, I always break down and tell people like, you know, 15-inch fish up to 500 midges a day. You've got 500 opportunities to catch him that day. That big fish eats one rainbow a day. Right. You've got one opportunity to catch him. 
<laughs> one. The other you have 500. And then when we break down and we go, how often do we get that big piece of meat, that bigger hopper, that bigger girdle bug? How often are we putting it in front of that fish? You know, we go fish 10 banks and not ever put a good drift on a fish like that. You know, so... But a lot of the reason that we're catching the bigger fish when we go to the hopper, the girdle bug, and the streamer, I think is just food source. I think it's just the food size. They eat a 27, 28-inch fish isn't going to come up and eat size 16 caddis when he can sit on the bottom and eat one rainbow for the day. You know, I, I, think, that's, it's, I think it's as simple as that. I think we put a lot of things into it and all, but I think after the years of nymphing, years of fishing small bugs and fishing big bugs, that it's just simply you're you're giving the big guy the meal that he's looking for for the day. You know, he'd rather go eat three crawdads than go chase down 500 midges. You know, and it's just that simple fact. But I, I think that once they get over that 22 mark, it's a totally different caliber fish the food the diet is completely different they're eating two totally different things and so they're no longer looking for that food source have i seen the occasional 27 incher up in the back eddy eating spinners yes but that's not the norm that's the the oddball you got lucky and you caught one slipping but as a general rule, that fish is not going out every day looking for sulfurs or midges. And why on those fish with the streamers? So, so you said early, like after the spawn, the streamer fishing is awesome for the big, the mm-hmm. big fish. Why is it not as awesome, say, in the summertime or later in the year? Can you are those fish are somewhere right? Do they just kind of get down lower? And or why can't can you still catch them on big flies? These big fish? No. Okay. So I think. The reason that they bite so well, I've had people tell me before, well, there's no real streamer season. They'll just eat them when they eat them. Well, yes, you could come out just about any time of the year. And if you put in the hours and you put in the time, you might catch a big one. But what helps us that time of year and why we try to target that time of year is because you just obviously they've been on the spawn the males the females super aggressive have you, you've seen you've seen brim on a bed before or bass on a bed and that bass has to he runs one brim off of one side from eating his eggs and then by the time he gets it run off he turns around and there's another one behind him <laughs> and he runs it off the bed and the yeah. whole time they're guarding they're guarding and pushing and they're aggressive and they're snapping at other fish. And then, so they're already in that super protective, aggressive, stay out of my territory. Right. On top of, they hadn't fed good for a month and a half. Yeah. They've been on the bed. They've been working. They've been guarding. And so when they come off of those beds, they carry that persona, that mood, that, testosterone you know yeah 
right um, back off of that spawn with them and yeah and they're starving and and they're hungry. are they not eating at all for that month of the spawn they you know they're they're not eating, much they're eating the eggs that roll out of the bed in oh, front yeah. of them you know maybe they grab the occasional rainbow that was over to eat their eggs but they're not <laughs> getting to feed no. right so they're not they're not getting to hammer down and so they come off of that and they're they're aggressive they're starving they're ready to go eat a big meal and lay back down on the bottom of the river and put weight on you know get all their energy back they don't want to go run around and eat freaking work for 500 meals a day they want to go eat one and sit down but i would even go a step further into saying and I've, I've had a lot of people just tell me I, uh, silly on this one, but I would dare people to go back and start to look at all of the big fish that have been caught on the white during the winter on that big streamer game. How many females do you see? Hmm. That's a good question. Yeah. I, I would, I have no idea. I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess that out of the females that you're probably seeing, I don't know. I mean, I would think there would be equal. They're hungry too, right? Because they're mm-hmm. actually working as well. But are you not seeing equal amount? But what they don't have is that t- t- testosterone. Oh, yeah. They don't have the testosterone. Right. So these are mostly big, big mouth males. Aggressive. Yes. If you look on all of our pictures over the years, oh, wow. look how many of them have that big, long White River jaw. Start looking and seeing how many females you can find that somebody's caught. I'm not saying we don't catch them. Sure. But I think that a lot, a lot of what we get on our big streamers is an aggression bite. How It's just like with bass. I mean, we've never seen anything that looked like a buzz bait run across the top of the water. Right? That nothing, nothing in nature looks like a buzz bait. It is obviously pissing the fish off, right? Okay, and we get that big aggression bite. Well, I believe that's what we're getting a lot with our males. Another thing that helps confirm that is you can come here and throw three-inch streamers for days and not get the reaction from that caliber fish. Because at that point, in my mind, you're trying to feed the fish, that's a different bite. Oh, right. Than an aggression bite. You got gotcha. you. So this is a this is a giant fly because they're chasing off the fish and then they're just eating because they have to. I am looking for that aggression bite more than I am feeding them. And then let's say so let's say I get a big bright sunny day where more than likely we're not gonna kick their butts today, right? Like big high pressure you know lower water just like the death of you well i would immediately start fishing smaller streamers and start trying to feed those fish instead of getting the aggression bite because on those sunny days on those lower water days they aren't feeling as free to run around they aren't they aren't all pumped up and aggressive and in that mood you know and so then I'm going to switch to more of a feeding fly or a feed, try to uh, attract a feeding bite instead of a reaction bite. And so I really believe that's where those big flies come into play. Yeah, that's it. 
That makes sense. So are you saying the females, so like if you get a female that the brown is 22 inches or plus, is that fish not eating just overall throughout the year? Or like it's still eating big fish too, but it's just not that, it's not that really um, predator bite. that. Right. It's not that aggression bite. And I'm not saying females, I'm, um, I am not, and nothing's for certain, you know, whenever, yeah, when yeah, I'm yeah, saying sure. this, people go, well, I've seen, well, yeah, there's, there's always the 20, there's the 27 incher that's the up eating spinners in the back end. You can find your oddball fish, but as a general rule of seeing it year after year after year, that, and if you knew these fish personally or knew the the person that caught them or the scenario in which they caught them in, a lot of those females were caught on days where we were fishing feeding flies and we were actually feeding them a three or a four inch fly because of our condition for the day. And so just aggressively wise on, on that, I feel like we're getting that, <clears throat> that testosterone that really puts those big guys in the boat. So, I, I, so, and, and that's the tweak, right? When I talked about bringing the Western streamer game out here, right? And I said, well, we just tweaked it a little bit. That would be one of the tweaks. We also have another really cool thing that goes on here. You know, it's it's kind of the knowledge, and we know, and, and I know this to be true. I've fished out west before. Um, that the second you stop your fly, the second you stop that big streamer, it's the death of you. Because fish don't stop. Fish that are going to be eaten don't stop in front of their predators right like so it's very unnatural for it to stop right that fish would be running from the predator and i know Gallup teaches that a lot and it's it is right however we do have an oddball thing that happens on the white we are still in arkansas we have a lot of bait fishermen okay and as those bait fishermen are fishing through the day they're they're going to kill a couple of fish you know they're gonna hook a rainbow deep they're gonna have a couple of accidents right and our big fish are very used to dying rainbows coming down river a dying rainbow don't swim well a dying rainbow makes a kick and then floats 10 foot right so we have a really strange bite that is not typical to other places to where I can stop my bugs and give him time to hunt it down and to catch up and strip. And now this is more of a feeding thing, right? I've slowed my bug down. Now I'm trying to get them to eat it. I'm trying to get them to feed on it, not re- not a reaction bite where I'm actually stripping over their head and so where you can make a big strip and a big pause and make a big strip and a big pause. They don't turn off of that. They look at that as it's one of those dying rainbows coming downstream, which is very different scenario than most places in the country because most places in the country don't have the bait fishing we have when it comes to a trout stream right and so that is very different here as well 
which creates a little different bite on those big fish. Yeah, that's really interesting. And, and I want to talk about the different retrieves and different, um, just the fly patterns. Maybe we, we can go there a little bit just on, you know, the right size of fly. Let's take it to that aggression, you know, part where they're mm-hmm. after the spawn. Mm-hmm. What is, talk, talk about how you design, you know, like fly design, How because you, you have some famous patterns as well. I think, isn't the big Johnson one of yours as well? You got a few yes, of these with some, great, with some great names. And, uh, <laughs> but but uh, I think of the, uh, I think of the Randy Johnson, you probably don't remember him, but he was a baseball pitcher. They called him the big unit. Oh. And it was always funny, you know, it was always funny because you're like, man, that's definitely a play on, you know, the, the, that sort of thing, well, the big unit. But the big Johnson, tell me that, the same thing, right? Where, how did that name begin? Freaking, you know, you've got to know <laughs> Kelly Gallup had something to do with it, right? Okay, he did. So he did. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's got all those crazy names for his sex dungeons, bottoms up, all these things. <laughs> so we're at, we Dally's holds an event called Streamer Love Fest. And um, Gallup had come down to tie at the Love Fest. And we're in there, and I'm tying that bug kind of for the first time in front of people. And and um, Kelly looks over at me, and he asked me what the name of the fly is. And so I am 100% just picking on him for the flies of his name. And I go, oh, you know, Kelly, it's going to be the Big Johnson. <laughs> and he goes, oh, my God, Chad. He goes, that is perfect for you and i went kelly i'm not really naming it that dude like i'm not putting that in a book and he goes oh it's named (laughs) and i went i went no 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 and he looks around at the guys around him again it's named right guys and he's like yep it's the big johnson and (laughs) hence it became the big johnson Nice. Yeah. Kelly Gap. I, I, was, I was waiting for that. I knew, I knew I didn't have to say much. I knew Kelly's name was going to come up in this, so that's so perfect. Today's episode is sponsored by Jackson Hole Fly Company. They've been designing and manufacturing fly fishing equipment and flies since 1978 in their home base in Wyoming. In 2020, they launched jhflyco.com and started selling gear directly uh, online to anglers all over the country. You can go ahead and right now and check out their huge selection of uh, rods, reels, fly lines, tools, accessory. Uh, and right now, if you go to jhflyco.com swing, you can get 25% off your first order. Just like Amazon, they'll ship everything directly to your door, saving you time and money. But unlike Amazon, you'll be supporting a great fly shop and this podcast by simply grabbing a few uh, products, maybe just a couple of flies. Check it out. There we go. Get free shipping right now. All orders over $50 and uh, get that 25% off your first order. jhflyco.com slash swing. Okay. Back to the show. Talk about the, uh, you know, the big Johnson, some of these other flies, like describe how you get into fly design. Cause I think that's a big part. Is that a big part of the su- success or can you just throw on any yeah. big, no. big giant woolly bugger and catch fish? No, 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 no. And, and in my, you know, here again, some of my flies have been developed due to the oddball bite that we have here right because like there's it is a different play if i am fishing a fly with lead eyes well any fly that has lead eyes is a jig right that's head down head down you know i don't want that i don't want that head down right now these fish when they kick that head will come up towards the top and then they'll start rolling back down and then they'll come up to the top well 
I wasn't finding that exact action that I wanted out of a lot of the other flies, you know, I mean, a lot of great flies just for that scenario. It wasn't, it wasn't doing what I needed it to do. So like both the big Johnson and the sluggo are in this same like class. So, so often when we put deer hair on a fly, we also add those lead eyes to it to counterbalance that your spun deer hair wants to float and you need to get that streamer down. Well, all I simply done was went with the deer hair heads, both the sluggo and the big Johnson have spun deer hair heads. The big Johnson has a craft fur collar over that head, but still yet it has that spun deer hair head. We know that's hollow and that wants to float. So what I figured out was if my fly wants to float, but my sinking line wants to pull it down, that the two will struggle against each other. Okay. And so every time I strip, that flock dives down because it's coming towards my line because I've got my line down. And then as soon as you pause, that hard pause, there's that little bit of slack in your line. And that allows that fly to rise back up to the top. And then while I'm paused, my sinking line is sinking. And so it pull it again and it dives back down and kicks to the other side and comes up. And so you end up with this really erratic dying minnow action because of your line and the fly fighting each other. And that's where I get that big strip and pause, big, huge turn, floated in the column for a minute, another big strip. The other thing that that deer hair head does for you is, so, you know, it's, um, we'll start here. There's some misconception that, that fish eat fish head first. They swallow fish head first, but they do not kill it head first. You don't see fish swimming around in front of your streamer and eating it head first. No, they want to T-bone it. Oh, they want to T-bone it. They want to break it in half. Mm-hmm. They want to come in on the side, and they want to grab that thing and T-bone it. And what they'll do is they'll hold it in their mouth, and they'll swim with it T-boned until it quits breathing. And then they stop, turn the fish around, and swallow him head first so no gills get hung up. Right? Okay. This is everything. Bass, bass don't swallow brim. I mean, they swallow brim head first. They don't eat them from the back because the spines wouldn't go down their throat. They turn everything around, but that's not the way they initially hit the fly. So if I present as many, we'll call kill shots, T-bone opportunities, I call them kill shots, on the way in as possible, if I produce as many of those as possible, I've given him multiple opportunities to T-bone it. So what that deer hair head does for you is the second you pause, that fly kicks 
90 degrees to you. That head goes all the way 90 degrees when you stop. That's a kill shot. That's his opportunity to come in behind it. So see, I'm not just making him chase a tail. If you just make them chase a tail, they've got to push past the fly a little bit or beside the fly and turn into it to T-bone. But if they're following behind it and every three foot I'm making that fly turn 90 to them, that's their opportunity to eat. Well, so often, like 80% of the time, you're getting that bite when it stopped and turned teed to them. Oh, right. So they're biting. So you're stripping and then you stop and that's a second later they bite it. Yes. And, and how does it turn... 90 how are you getting that head does it just naturally because of the way you design the flyer why does it turn 90 so it's because the back end is so light oh right i mean obviously the head is driving it if it wasn't for the head it would never want to come up and it would never kick but what happens as soon as i stall and that head starts to come up that tail and all will push past the head it was already in momentum, right? And so the second that it hits the brake and begins to turn, that tail just whips past it. And and it's about keeping the back end light. As soon as you put too much material on the back end of either one of those bugs, they're not going to turn 90 for you. And so if you get out there and you strip it and it's not coming 90 for you, that's your problem is you've got your back end too heavy. Cool. That's it. So you get it broadside to them or you get a turn, then they attack it and now you got them. And how do they, so once they attack it, when do they get like, where are they, where's the hook typically hooking the fish? How do they get hooked? Cause the hook still, it's like on a trailer, right? Or is it just a, mm-hmm. a single hook down? No. Nope. Where is the hook? No. As a general rule, I am, I'm fishing articulated flies, usually somewhere around the size two or i mean two aught something like that and how long are they how long is the total fly you know i do my sluggos and those big johnsons in seven inches and five inches five inches would be my lower water scenario and seven inches would be my bigger water scenario those flies work just as well for bass as they do trout funny story the the sluggo originally got started in the bass world because I wanted, I wanted that action I was talking about in dead water, and I couldn't get it. So I rig- I tied an original, the original one of those bugs, and then as soon as I started fishing it on the river, I had to modify it a little bit, which is the sluggo we know today. But and then, hence when we started, we started modifying it, and it started working for our trout to get that that big kill shot in that's when i developed the big johnson which in my mind like the sluggo is like a very hard bait what i mean by that is there's nothing in it that moves there's no breathing no pulsing no it's a very hard streamlined bait the big johnson is the exact opposite it give us that same action but it's all done with marabou and craft fur, which moves and pulses and breathes. So I wanted a fly that had the same action, but had life within the fly. And so that's where that 
kind of come about and everything started was started changing and and making everything work for um for our scenario so it's definitely been a progression <laughs> yeah it's been a progression do you fish the sluggo differently than you fish the um the big johnson no both of those are in that same both of them have the spun deer hair head both of them are fished the same way that's kind of that's kind of that that particular style of swimming but or that particular way of swimming those are my two bugs that i've done that way um i do have another one coming out with mfc this year that's along the same line the party crasher that'll be um that'll be coming out probably in the spring along those same same lines i've got a a set of foam eyes in it that that end up creating and making that same type action but um so uh yeah so that's how that all come about on those bugs and then like i say those aren't always our bugs to have right so uh, think about this scenario is i've got huge water let's just say the water's big for the day well those deer hair heads those deer hair bugs they are very hard to sink because that deer hair head is fighting against you trying to keep it up. So that bug don't get six foot deep, right? Seven foot deep. It's just almost impossible in that big water to get it that deep. And so that's when I'm going to move to some other things. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to move to some deceivers. I'm going to move to I've got a CJ's White River sculpting pattern that's about six inches long that's got a little helmet on it. Well, when my water's big, I got to get down to them, you know. I use a lot of deceivers. Um, I like uh, Schmitty, you know. His deceivers are incredible. And um, so I do have to bounce into other type flies. It's not like you can just come to the White River, throw a sluggo or a Big Johnson every day, and you're just going to get them. You know, right. That's that's <laughs> that's not our scenario at all. But no. those flies are a couple of the flies that I would make sure I had in my box if I ever come this way. <laughs> yeah, definitely have them in. This is awesome. And work at somebody if somebody wanted to watch. These flies being tied, the sluggo. There, I mean, mm-hmm. I think they're out there, right? You, where would you point somebody? Either buy them or I guess MFC and and or tie them. There are some YouTube uh, videos. So if you were going to buy them out of a fly shop, I would go to Dally's Ozark Fly Fisher. Okay. In Cotter, Arkansas, they keep them. They keep a very good stock of them, and um, so you just simply go to YouTube and type in. Chad Johnson fly tying. Yeah. Oh, so you're tying, you're tying some of these flies out there. Oh, there's, I've got, I've got, I don't want to guess. I got eight or 10 bit different videos out on different streamers oh, good. on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. Where they can go watch them. I will, I will here. Let me get, let me give you your listeners a uh, tip here. So when I very first tied the sluggo, I just, I would go down on the bottom of the same deer tail that I used for the collars and to tie the bug. I would use that same bucktail to spin the head with. It takes a very specific spot on that tail to get 
hair that's hollow enough to actually float. Most people do a lot better with that if they'll just go ahead and do that head out of primo hair. Most people, I've had so many people call me and go, Chad, we just can't get that head. We just can't get that head. Well, it was because I done it out of bucktail and that ain't easy. So to make it easier on yourself, just use primo deer hair. <laughs> I've gotten so many calls on that one, Dave. Yeah. Like, Why I'll in bet. the world you mess us up with putting that on there? And I was like, well, right. Because you know, I, I go and I hunt for the right bucktails. But yeah. that to make it a lot lighter on yourself, just do it that way. Okay. And where and can you get those as a recommendation on where to get that right deer hair? Uh man, that is a it's um, tough, right? that's Sometimes. a walk in a, a, that that's me yeah. walking in every fly shop, pulling the tails off the rack and picking out the best. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get to know your local fly get shop, to know right? Your local if they don't fly have shop it. and the, you know Wopsy Wopsy flies happens to be from here as well. Oh yeah, cool. And so yeah. I, I get the opportunity to go up to Wapsie and, and look around a little bit to get a little bit of backdoor treatment there. So that definitely helps with picking out materials. Perfect. 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 This is good. So, and I want to talk, uh, you know, just digging a little bit on the fishing. So talk about that. I know Kelly, when he was on a while back, he talked about, you know, the way he does it, but you know, how do you fish? Like, is this a downstream? Is this a cross? Are you like, describe that. So we're on the water and this is, is this out of a boat? Is this off the bank? How do you fish in that? We're talking about our streamers still, right? Yeah. Let's, let's stick with, let's stick okay. with the big streamers. Cause yep. that's always the sexy thing, right? Yeah, let's take right. big streamers, that's January, right. February. Okay. Yeah. How are you doing it? So I personally, I, I like, I like the 90 degree profile out of the front of the boat. I mean, and I want you casting straight 90 off of the boat because i want to show them a side profile as soon as i start swinging one you've always got tension on your line and there went a big part of your action right because you no longer have that pause slack line right so that kills a lot of it i want you to go straight 90 to the bank and show them that 90 degree profile now we also know that like a lot of times front of the boat gets the fish right first big bug through the pool got him and so what i tend to do is i've got that front guy as he's throwing 90 and pulling off that bank he's only getting two or three four foot deep right he's he's not getting super deep he's what i call he's raking he's he's throwing that bug out there he's working back that 90 but he's only getting that three foot deep but if I have my back guy throw at an angle back upstream, that water is pushing his line downstream, right? So he's no longer fighting the water. The water is now helping him get his down because it's pushing back towards the boat, right? So as he throws up and pauses, he can get six, seven foot deep. He's now fishing a water column that the front guy is not getting down to. So I've just put my back guy back in the game. And if you walk through our shop and you looked at the pictures, I could walk around with you and go, that one come out of the back of the boat. Oh, back wow. Of the boat, back of the boat. Back <laughs> the bigger fish. The bigger fish because oh, they're getting yeah. deeper and getting down to them. And so a lot of times that front guy will catch more, but the back guy will get the pig. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. 
Yeah. So most yeah. of the time here, switching places don't bother people. Yeah, I got you. Okay, so that's it. So the so the guy in the front might be getting the fish first, but the back guy might have a chance at the bigger fish. He's producing to a deeper fish. He's he's uh, he's showing it to a different fish because he's four foot deeper, right? And that fish that's sitting, you know, my front guy, he's fishing the bank. My back guy, he's fishing the drop off, right? That's two different things, and we've got fish sitting on both. Yeah. And so that's kind of the way I'll bust that up most of the time. I and mean, as a general rule, obviously things can change. If we get on a day and they're hot and heavy and they want them fast, I'll get both guys throwing 90 and we'll rip some flies, you know. But most scenarios are more, most days are run more like that first first layout I did, just where, you know, one guy 90, one guy angled back up. Yeah, yeah I hear you. Okay. And how are you, so as, as you're going down, you guys obviously know the water and all that, but if somebody was coming in there fishing it for their first time, how, how would they find the fish? And are you getting guys, is there a lot of guys just like that aren't guided coming through there with boats? Uh, definitely that time of year more than any other time of year, you know, because, and I just think that's simply the guys that have, the guys that are streamer fishing are fishing a lot. Let's just be honest. Most guys, you know, we get into the game. We just want to catch fish. Then we want to catch a bunch of fish, you know. Then we want to catch a big one. So, like, most of the time the streamer game is something you've progressed into. It's not something you started on. And if you progressed into it, then you probably already have a boat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, you probably right. got your own rods right yeah well i i see so many of like my hopper fishermen my dry fly fishermen they don't have their own boats right right and so i think it's just a it's that it's that guy right and so i think that's why we see more of them through that season than we do some of our others so we do see a, we do see a few guys out that that aren't guiding but my, i would say most most people get guides they get guys because look, it is not an easy game. No, and I was just gonna say finding fish, right? Like, how do you find fish? That's the oh, easy man. thing to do. Yeah, I mean, well, one thing with us here is, I tell people all the time. I said, "There's fish in every single hole we have. There's the fish you want in every single hole we have, every run we have, but we don't fish the hole. We fish the water going through the hole." What I mean by that is our water is everything. See, we're a tailwater, okay? If they're flowing 900 CFS through it, well, that's not your hole. That's dead low for us, okay? And so I've got 10,000 upstream. Well, I don't care what hole that 10 grand's going through. That's my water. I need to be in that 10 grand, no matter what hole it's going through. And so I fish the water, not the river, so to speak, or not the hole, so to speak. Not if the hole, tell me, yeah. Yeah, if you tell me, oh, and I know this is strange for y'all, but all these pl- all these places I'm fixing to name are miles, seven, eight, ten miles apart. It don't matter if I'm in Cotter or if I'm in Wildcat or if I'm in Whitehole. All of those have giant fish right you gotta fish the right water going through a given hole to get them and so 
so that's our main focus any any guide that goes and jumps on the white river and didn't check the water flows for the day yep is big. is missing what is a good water flow like what would be is there a good uh I, on the streamer bite we always say i can start getting it done at six grand this is a big river six thousand oh, yeah. cfs is a, a lot of water well okay so we can flow 24 grand damn wow so this must be how is this a bit like i'm trying to get a picture of it because i haven't been there so you guys are fishing big big water this, like white river lots of water water yeah this is no small stream it's a it's a hundred yards across oh right it's huge and it can be anything from you know two foot deep on a given day to 12 foot deep the next day right right, right. right. so so 900 so so 900 cf 900 is, cfs is, is bone dry yeah, 900 is like barely moving. Gotcha. So when you're coming down, when you're floating down and, and you know, say you're floating, you got these flows are 6,000, 10,000 CFS, then you're finding fish based on, now talk about that. How would you find it? How would you fish 6,000 different versus 10,000? Oh, okay. So really that's about how far off the wall I'm going to fish. Oh, okay. As soon as I get that six grand, I've almost, you know, remember my front guy that's raking the bank? we've abandoned ship i've backed out another 20 foot where you can throw off the deep ledge that our back guy was throwing to right so that secondary ledge i'm going to back out where i can hit that secondary ledge and the current scene to see as soon as i'm fishing the bank unless i've got casters i'm giving up a spot because I can either have the bank and the secondary drop off. There's three spots. Let me start there. There's the bank. There's the secondary drop off. And then there's the current scene. If I had my ruthers, I would back all the way out and you would throw it to the bank, bring it over the secondary and through the current scene. Oh, right. But that's usually not the case because of distance. So I get one or the other. So 10 grand, I'm going to go, there's enough dang water on the bank. I need the bank and the secondary drop off. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. All of a sudden there's six grand. I don't think those big fish are over there on the bank yet. I think they're still setting off the secondary and the current seam. I'm going to back up, give up the bank, fish the current seam and the secondary. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that makes total sense. What line are you guys using? I mean, talk about the lines. If somebody's going to pick up a line mm-hmm. to fish, like, is, is there a bunch of different sinking lines you're using or is it just one? No, you only need a couple though. So you need one for that six grand, right? Which can be, a you know, a 30 foot type three sinking. It can be a probably like a 15 foot type six sinking you would get about that same deal with but then as soon as i'm up to my that 10 grand as soon as i'm up my big water my big bugs i'm throwing um full sinking lines um and i want 30 foot of type six type six yeah just as as heavy as you can get and you're still going to be amazed with the power and hydraulics that come on this bigger river how hard it is to get those flies down see once i get uh, there was one part you had said something earlier whenever you asked when i liked it and i told you that i could start getting it done at about six or seven but once it gets over like 
16 or 17, it starts getting really hard to get those bugs down. That's when I've got to go start finding softer seams. Now, lucky for us that when it gets big like that, those fish are looking for the softer seams as well, right? Back eddies, softer seams. They're looking to get out of that big heavy flow. And I'll, at that point, I will start hunting them a little different, right? I'll start really focusing on soft spots at that point. And so... So there's a sweet spot from about seven to 17. I can make it work a little bit less and I can make it work a little bit over. But if we had our ruthers, it would be in that, in that zone. Yeah. Got it. This is great. Okay. And anybody coming to this area needs to know and understand and already have it in their head. And I don't care what season it is. We talked about whether it's, the hopper gig, the caddis gig, the, the streamer gig, like we are a tailwater. We do not know what water we're going to have next week or tomorrow. Okay. Until the night before. And we get to look at a little schedule that's right about 70% of the time. <laughs> right. Yeah, Which is yeah. pretty good. That's I mean, pretty heck, good. What do we get that 70%, you know, your weather, your weather ain't 70%. No. And so it does pretty good of telling us, but it don't tell us till the next day. And I say that in that, like, you have to mentally be prepared anytime you come down here to go. I may or may not have the water to do exactly what I want to do. Right? So, like, most of the time, it's right. You know what I mean? We get, we're very fortunate here in that they generate during the summer and they generate during the winter for power. I, I like that bigger water for my summer hopper and girdle bug fishing, and I like the bigger water for my streamer fishing. And then it's usually low during the spring, and it's usually low during the fall. Well, that's my dry fly season. That's when I want it low. So it right? works. So it, really, it works. it works for us. But there's always that weird scenario, yeah, you know, sure. where you show up into town to throw streamers into 15,000 CFS, and it's four. <laughs> you know, we're still going to yeah. go have fun. We're still going to yeah. go catch some decent fish. You're going to have to work harder for them. But like, just know that is, that is part of this. That is the scenario. Any tailwater you get to across the country. Yeah. Right? That's true. But when people come from out West, they aren't really used to that. And when y'all do tend to have dams, they don't flow so randomly and weird as ours do. Right. I mean, ours can daily be a 10 foot swing, you know, and you're fishing low water in the morning, high water during the day and low water back in the evening. You know what I mean? Like it can. Oh, really? During the day it swings. It can. And so like, you just, you never know. And so you're really good guides, your standout guys. They're going out and fishing the water. Yeah. 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 This is it. I love that. So, yeah. So it's not about saying, Hey, you know, I got this spot on the river that is, we have to go there. It's literally like, okay, what's the water giving us today? And then you find the fish based on that. On, on the, the water. River flows. Every day we go hunting, depending on the water and what the water is going to do. You know, here, here's my yesterday scenario. I had a couple of people. We went out in the morning. We, um, put on a hopper dropper. And caught nothing but rainbows all morning long, right? On our hopper dropper. 
And then, boom, the water turned on. I ran upstream, caught the water they turned on, and the same hopper dropper rig that we were catching nothing but rainbows on all morning long, we caught four nice browns. Same deal, but I had the right water for one scenario. Right? And so our water is everything to us. It's our lifeline. Yeah, that was great. That was great. Love it. Love it. Well, let's, uh, Chad, let's take it out here with our uh, our question and answer segment. I got a quick one, and then we'll start to, to wrap this thing up. And Okay. And today, I like to give a shout out. This one's presented by Angler's Coffee, uh, one of our partners. And uh, if you haven't checked out Angler's Coffee, they've got this amazing, they've got their muddler blend, but they got all these things. And they do a lot of great things for conservation as well. So shout out to Angler's Coffee. But the question of the week or the question today is coming from Brian. Cause, uh, you know, he's out there. He was asking, he wanted to ask you, you know, does color matter or does depth and those other things, are those more important than color? Like, how is important is getting the color right? Okay. I, I personally feel like color is a huge thing. It makes a lot of difference. And, you know, early season, it's, um, it's very hard to beat yellow. The reasoning behind that is what color are the brown trout during the spawn? Oh, right. They're yellow, right? What have they been doing? They've been being very aggressive to every other yellow fish that has come around them for a month and a half, right? We're looking for an aggression bite. If we're looking for an aggression bite, yellow seems like a pretty obvious color to start with, right? All right. And then when I get past that, that early season streamer fishing, when they're still wearing their yellow from the spawn and they're all antsy to it and then finally they begin to they begin to change colors and the color begins to change to it's it is very 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 hard to beat an olive and white here um and the olive and white is it's a, it's our rainbows it's what they're eating mm, right? Right, it's the that olive and white the other, we, we will have some very good luck at times on ginger, where these fish are eating our suckers. So we can do good on a ginger. Most of the time when I come off that yellow, I'll start playing between a ginger and an olive and white and see if they're eating our suckers or our rainbows. That's my mindset on it. Now, that does not mean, like, my biggest fish I've ever caught was on chartreuse. That's another thing. If you get a big, bright, sunny day, throw the chartreuse, man. Like, it's uh, it's a weird thing. My buddy Alex Lafquez that started this whole streamer gig, gig with me down here um, comes to me one day, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm throwing this chartreuse and white. I'm like, dude, that's for bass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he goes, he goes, no, 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 Chad. You need to try it on these sunny days, and I'll be damned. Like, on those sunny days, get to a bright white or a chartreuse. But okay. in, in saying that, like, I'll start bouncing between that olive and white and ginger to see which one. That tends to be the main scenario. Yeah, And you, you catch them on black if you can get anybody to fish it. Nobody wants to fish black because they can't see it. Right, right, right. So, so color is important. And so is, like we said, depth and movement too. I mean, it seems like everything's kind of important. Do you see that on the yes. fly? Like it's all part of it. It, it. it is irrelevant, boys. When, when you come down here to do the big streamer thing, 
it's a hunt. Like I'll compare it. It's a musky hunt. Right. Right. So it's that. So you get out there like what about that fish that you're dreaming of? Yeah, no, right. Not coming down here on streamers and catching a 20 inch or 22 inch, that can be done. That's, I'm talking about the one you're coming for. Yeah. What's a big fish? Something over two foot. Yeah. You know, if you're looking for something over two foot, you're going on a musky hunt. Those fish don't just jump in the boat. However, you're going to a place that you've got a really good chance of catching that musky, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that's right. Like this is not musky. This is not musky fishing, even though it, it kind of is more it, like it, it. Yeah, you need to have that same hunter's mentality. Yeah, you don't need to yeah. feel like every time you throw your fly in, you're going to catch a fish. You need to come with a mentality that if I go and I do my best for four days and I put in my time. I'm going to have an opportunity to catch that caliber of fish. That's what I tell Pessy. You come to me for four days, and at some point during that four days, you're going to have an opportunity to catch a fish like that. Whether you miss him, whether you zigged and he zagged, whether you... Are you seeing the fish at all? Is this like, how are you getting any feedback? Like, so you're casting out there. Say, you're, are you casting a lot without any feedback? Or how do you know when you're around those big fish? No. Okay. So it's always been my mentality that, like, let's say color, size, and stripping technique. Let's say we're doing something, whatever that may be, and I'm getting chasers, even if they're, 18 inch chasers if they're 22 inch chasers if they're if i am moving fish then i'm on the right track i won't change a thing i'll go no 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 they're hot on it we just got to put it in front of the right one so we do get feedback if you're seeing nothing chase nothing happen nothing then you need to change something whether it be your retrieve, your color, your size of your bug, right? You need to change yeah. something. Now I'm not talking. So you're about- seeing fish. So you're so you're actually seeing fish out there when you're fishing. You're they're chasing. You're seeing them around, or something's going on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm picturing this. I'm picturing more of this high flow, turbid water, kind of not very clear. But you're actually getting water where you can see these fish. Yes. Now I would say that my back guy that's fishing six foot deep, I don't see near as many of those fish, but I can see them chasing off of my front guy. Right. There you go. Okay. So you're getting feedback. Yeah. Yes. This is just like musky. Yeah. Like musky. If you, I mean, occasionally, right. You'll get the musky that comes in and gives you the feedback. They're, they're there. Yes. We're getting that. Absolutely. This is amazing. This is, this is really cool. So Awesome, Chad. Well, I got a couple other quick ones, and then we'll wrap it up out of here. Um, this is kind of a rapid-fire uh, round here. but um, So the boat, what, what's the go-to boat that you guys are using out there? What would be the, the good boat? It is. It's one that y'all have not seen. They're made here. We just call it a river skiff, but it's made by Supreme and Shawnee Boats. And it is a four-foot wide. The bottom is four-foot by 20 foot six inches with jet motors on the back and oars oh yeah this is cool this is like a mix between a it almost looks like a um like well it's like a narrow sled or kind yeah. of right yep yep this is and, why and why the narrow why, why go so narrow why not have a wide well, boat so 
here's the the they have one that's five foot but you also gotta think you're rowing these boats these are not drift boats right these things are heavy and so the less boat the better and what they've done is see it's 20 foot six inches and that's because anything under 20 foot has to be coast guard certified oh right for it to be coast guard certified it has to have flotation in it we don't want flotation in our boats if you have flotation in a river boat when it flips it's going to stay afloat and it's going to beat and bang its way down river until it tears your boat apart if you don't have flotation in your boat your boat will just sink to the bottom and stay right there till you can get it back now tell me this because this sounds interesting I, I would expect that you don't ever have to worry about flipping your boat is this is this something that commonly happens no, no 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 we we don't no 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 but i'm saying if you flipped it we don't yeah, that's one benefit down river yeah we want it to stay right there we're going to go get a dead gum air blower a leaf blower with a hose on it we're going to stick it underneath the boat and blow air in it till it pops back up and flips over oh wow <laughs> right i mean <laughs> yeah so we don't want our boats to get tore apart so that's why we went 20 foot six inches to get six inches past that coast guard certification wow there you go 20 foot six inches yeah i gotcha okay cool so so that's the boat this is good we'll, we'll put a link to the show notes to that um what is give us a give us one as we take it out here one one tip on something you know you've thrown out a bunch but you're sitting there fishing like you said you're in the boat what would be something if somebody's not getting a fish what would be that one tip you would give them to maybe help them stop, find it stop raking your flies and what I mean by that is if you are just throwing to the bank and ripping that fly back and not fishing the fly meaning throw it on the bank, give it two seconds to sink, make five strips to the secondary edge, stop your bug, let your line sink off the secondary, strip back to the boat with purpose, good pauses. Like if you are not fishing your flies, I see so many streamer fishermen put in hours and hours where they're just raking all that. They're just putting a bug out and bringing it back. If you, if you throw a plastic worm on a spinning rod, you are not going to throw it out and reel it back in. You're going to throw it out, let it sink to the bottom, jig it a little bit, let it fall back to the bottom. You're going to fish it back to you. For some reason, when streamer fishermen get that rod in their hand and that fly in their hand, they just can't help it. They just rip the crap out of it. And so that's the biggest tip that I can give on streamer fishing anywhere in the country is stop breaking and start fishing your bug. Love that. Love that. That's so good. Uh, and, and the final one here, um, uh, music or podcast, do you listen to either of those things out there or one or the other? Music. Music. Give, it, give us something to put in the, uh, as we take it out here, what type of music? Do you have a, like a, a type, a group, a song, anything you want to shout out to? Oh, uh, I'm country. Country. Yeah, give us a country. What, what's a what's a country group or person you follow? Oh gosh, um, like old country. Is this like old Willie Nelson or more uh, yeah. like newer country? Yeah. Um, so you know, it would be um, like uh, like like George Strait, Alan Jackson, sort of older. Or I've got somebody in mind, and I can't believe that is. It's, it's drawn a blank. Yeah, I'm drawing a blank. Well, on if you remember him. it, oh my god. 
<laughs> if you remember it, you could you could uh, let me know by email. I could put it in the show notes. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, um, we'll, we'll get something. Yeah, yeah, country all the way. Cool. You country. can you awesome. can hear it in my voice, right? <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I can hear it for sure. No, this is this is great. Perfect. Waylon Jennings. Oh, Waylon Jennings. Yeah, yep. it doesn't get much better than Waylon. Yep. There you go. I don't know. I can't believe that name slipped my mind for a minute, but there it is. Yeah, that that one's pretty huge. Yeah, Waylon's doesn't get bigger than Waylon. No. So good. We'll, we'll we'll leave it here with some Waylon's uh, Waylon Jennings in, in the show notes. So this is amazing. Um, awesome, Chad. Well, we'll send everybody out to uh, CJ's WhiteRiverOutfitters.com. And um, yeah, man, this has been amazing. This is like more than I expected. So I appreciate you coming on today and definitely look forward to uh, staying in touch with you. Yeah, thanks, David. You call me anytime, man. I enjoyed talking to you. That is a wrap. You can grab all of the show notes at wetflyswing.com. And please follow us on Instagram and share this episode out with someone you love. Please send me an email, dave at wetflyswing.com, if you have any feedback or want us to put together an episode on this podcast for you. Check in anytime. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and would love to meet up with you on the water. We have new fly fishing schools going all year long and all around the country. So if you want to connect, let's do it right now. All right, time to get out of here. I hope you have a great evening. I hope you have a great morning or great afternoon wherever in the world you are. And I appreciate you for stopping by and checking out the show today. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.